Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I am one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. And we are coming to you live from planet Mars, where we have recently moved. Yes, it's lovely here. Isn't it? I mean, we got such a great deal on this plot of land. Oh my gosh, like 25 acres for just a nickel and a song. It was quite a song, though. (laughs) It was going to be a dime and a song, but then after hearing the song, they were like, we'll just take a nickel. Um, So yeah, we're um, not pretending like it all makes sense, nor are we telling truths. Why? Because we don't live on Mars, my love. Angel, don't blow our cover. <laughs> Everybody was really going along with it. I don't it. think anybody was going Everybody along Everybody was with like, it. wow, the spiritual gays are the first humans to make it to Earth. Well. We knew they could. In, at least in the timeline that we're Did aware Did I just of. say the first humans to make it to Earth? Yeah. I meant the first humans to make it to Mars. Oh, right. <laughs> We've definitely <laughs> made it to Earth, but are not the first humans to do so. But again, not in this timeline as far as we know, because I was told recently in a reading that I was Martian in another life. Oh, wow. And fought in the Great War. Oh, wow. Like the Great Mars War. Who told you that? A reader. Wow, that's quite a that's quite a thing to just drop in the middle of a reading. What was the Great Martian War? I don't know. We didn't go into it. Was it between Martians and other Martians? Or Again, was it I don't know. I haven't delved that deeply into between that Martians and Venusians? Oh, I don't feel like they would war, do you? Well, no. I guess they might, actually. I mean, I don't know. Venus seems like it has always been uninhabitable because it's just so close to the sun. Yeah, it was probably with, you know, the Egyptians or with whoever lived in like another galaxy maybe and finally made it here. Wait, the Egyptians lived in another galaxy? No, I mean, either it was Egyptian time. Though oh. I think we would know about that if they had fought a war with Mars. Maybe. Yes. No. <laughs> we would know. We definitely would know. Maybe it was would the we? dinosaurs. Would we know? Who knows? Maybe things were erased. Yeah. Maybe it was lost in the in the Alexandria Library when it burned down. So hi, welcome to the Spiritual Gaze. You are here in the middle of our nervous <laughs> breakdown and we're so happy to have you here because isn't it isn't it more fun to break down when we're all together? I'm breaking down. Uh, who are you? Correct. <laughs> who am I? I don't know. Just piece it together for us. Here. Okay. Well, the name on my birth certificate is Brandon Craig Alter. Uh, I actually had to fill out occupation on a like new patient doctor's form today, mm-hmm. and I just left it blank. <laughs> <laughs> But why? Because it's just too much effort to say. Yeah. Well, it said employer and I just wrote self. And so I felt like I could just leave occupation blank. Yeah. It always just feels like very challenging to write healer (laughs) when you're going to a doctor. Totally. But I should probably just get over that. Yeah. Uh, I was in the coffee shop the other day and somebody asked me what I did. And I find that I'm just saying I'm an astrologer, which is yeah. so funny that like that's the safest thing to say of everything. I mean, I guess I could say like I'm an intuitive, I'm a reader, 
I'm a spirit healer. I mean, I guess I should just say that. When somebody asks me what I do, I should just say spirit healer. I should have just written spirit healer on the intake form at the yeah. at the doctor's office. You wouldn't have been the first, I'm sure. I don't know. It's Los Angeles. Maybe. Fair enough. Any hoodle. I'm a spirit healer and I and I'm here. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Right oh right oh. That's all I got. What about you? Who are you? I'm Angel Lopez. I am a film producer. I am a writer. I am an astrologer and a metaphysicist and a spirit healer and a music producer. You're a music producer? I am. Oh, and a sound engineer. Wait, when did you produce and music? A podcast producer. Yes. And that editor. we all know. When are you, when did you become a music producer? Over the weekend. Whose music did you produce? Our friend Javier's. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What how what did you do? You know. I gave thoughts. So you're a critic. <laughs> <laughs> I will say about so our friend Javier is a musician and has uh his is working on his second album. And he... Uh, we took a road trip to Vegas to see you 2 at the Sphere, which is a whole other sidebar I'll come back to. But on the drive back, we listened to his album because he wanted my feedback. And like three songs in, he was like, I have to say, you give like the greatest feedback. Like you should like be a music producer. And I said, "Aren't isn't that what I'm doing right now? And he said, you know what? Yes. <laughs> Did he write you a check? No, I, you know, I'm, st- I'm still building my resume. You're so. doing a lot of pro bono music producing right now? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, that's a start. Well, look, I love that. I was, you know, I was giving like, you know, ideas on where songs could change, bridges that I felt songs were missing, lyrics, I mean, I was really kind of going in because we had time. Wow. And it was fun. I mean, he had a captive audience. Exactly. So. And he got exactly what he asked for. Which was? Which was my very direct production advice. Okay. (laughs) Look, I'm not a music producer, but I want to be now. I mean, it sounds like you have what it takes. I think it does. I have a really really good ear well you can have like really good taste in music you do definitely have that (laughs) that is true usually usually yeah there is some messy some messy choices should we check in yes let's check in check in honey what's going on you went to vegas you entered the sphere i was one of the first people to enter the sphere on its opening night to see you too uh, with my sister and two of our friends. And it was wild. Like the sphere is a pretty phenomenal house of technology. The outside obviously is people have probably seen images. And by now people have probably seen images from the inside as well. But just like entering inside for the first time. I mean it just felt like you were in this like strange futuristic like dome um 
that seemed to extend like so much further than it actually seemed the room mm, was <laughs> bigger on the inside than it is on the outside yeah it's and my favorite design modality <laughs> totally but um yeah it was just such such a phenomenal show it was honestly one of the coolest things i have ever seen in my life um yeah like i'm still like reeling from the from some of the imagery i like went so far out of my way today at physical therapy to like bring it up so i could talk to people about it um i mean everyone was kind of talking about like concerts for some reason today so every conversation i would just kind of be like i was at the sphere (laughs) people were like do you have pictures do you have videos i was like showing everyone like all my video footage like people were super you were that girl you were so popular people were into it i know i'm sorry i totally eclipsed the Coldplay guy because he had gone to the Coldplay show. Oh my God. And he was like, it was amazing. They had like a bouncing light up ball. And I was like, yeah, the sphere took me to another realm. And he was like, I know I saw the video. Um, But yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. And just like the way they incorporate, I'm not like a massive YouTube fan though. I realized actually, I guess I am because I knew pretty much every single song that they played yeah well i mean you're also a music producer so you have like a pretty true big repertoire of songs that you know very very true it's just like part of your profession (laughs) yes um but what was cute was that they were celebrating this album octoon baby uh and that was actually the very first like concert tour of theirs that i saw like 30 something years ago with my sister when like she was forced to take me because my mom like told her that's the only way she could go so it was like the first time the two of us saw U2 together. And now this was like, I think the fourth time that we had gotten to see U2 together. Um, cause she's just like a massive fan, but it was just super dope. Like, cause she like is immersed in the U2 world. We got like really amazing tickets and, uh, really amazing seats. I mean, and yeah, just really got to like experience the like full, just like scope of the whole visual production and it really felt like spiritual at times and i even like sent you they had this whole thing with like animals and at one point i like looked right up above me and like my like spirit like my power animal was just like right above me like it was like staring like right at me it was pretty fucking awesome yeah well i mean i do think we've entered deeply enough into the realm of technology that spirit uses it to communicate with us yeah totally because there isn't anything that like isn't connected to spirit so in the same way that i think like the wind and the birds and the trees can communicate messages i also believe the algorithm can do it too yeah no i agree with you and it was the evening of the aries full moon so it was just like such a powerful potent energy um pretty a uh, phenomenal way to release a new form of performance technology into the world with the aries full moon yeah seriously but um so that was like a beautiful experience for me to have kind of in the midst of just feeling a little bit chaotic and untethered to 
pretty much anything in my life right now. I am definitely like, I think if anything, like most pulled into my world when I'm doing the spiritual gaze work, which is like, I'm so grateful for, or when I'm doing like my reading work. But, um, other than that, I like find it really hard to like, just move through the days because the energy of the world is very stressful right now. So I'm just trying to choose wisely for myself like every day and making sure that I'm doing things that will benefit me and my well-being and I definitely fail a lot at that but I am also able to really support myself when I make good choices. And I don't beat myself up when I make the bad choices. Um, I kind of like wait till I've made like a cumulative amount of bad choices and then I beat myself up. <laughs> but um, I don't even beat myself up that hard anymore. Like to see myself how I am now compared to who I was 10, 15 years ago is pretty amazing. And I... I'm much better at forgiving myself because I know that like life is so precious and I have to remember to love myself more than I judge myself. Hmm. I mean, that's worth the price of admission right there. That's beautifully said. Thank you. You have to love yourself more than you judge yourself. Yes. Please do. Yeah. That's lovely. So how are you doing then in regards to loving yourself more than judging yourself? Not well, bitch. <laughs> no, I do. I actually do pretty well. I don't judge myself too harshly, I feel like. Is that true? I think I can be very critical of myself, but I don't necessarily judge myself. I honestly don't even know. I don't even know where I'm at right now. I don't even know who I am. I'm just out here fighting for my life. You know, I like have to remind myself every day that like I am in another grieving process and I am sick of it. And I'm just sick of all the pain I've experienced in a really short period of time. And I'm trying to process it. And I'm also trying to not let it derail me. And I'm also aware that life is short and time goes by really fast and I don't want my life to move ahead of me in such a way where I can't catch up to it. So I'm honestly just like working my Capricorn moon and just like trying to accomplish some things. Like I'm trying to write this musical. I'm trying to prepare for the third week of my spiritual training. I'm like trying to do all the things that I wish like an adult would do for me, but it turns out I'm the adult that has to like do my taxes and go see specialists to make sure that my health is where it should be because what I wasn't expecting over this like last round of grief is that it would also like bring up a lot of mortality anxiety. Like when my mom died and Noche died, I was sad and I'm still 
fucking so sad. I had to drive by the fucking hospital where Noche died today. I was just like stuck in traffic on Santa Monica Boulevard and I just looked over and there it was like the last place Noche was ever alive. And I just like cried in my car. And then I was like, this is so unfair ways. Like there were so many ways you could have gotten me home. You had to take me right by this fucking place. But that is all to say I don't even know. I don't even know what I was saying. I totally lost my train of thought. Did you follow it? Where was I before I cried in my car driving by the Noche Hospital? Well, you were just in like various grief stages. You were tired. Oh, just my fucking mortality anxiety. Right. Mm. When my mom and Noche died, I was not anxious about me dying. But with my cousin dying, I am now anxious. Well, okay. I am not afraid of death. I'm really not. I'm cool with it. It's probably like a long nap in the sun. It's going to be great. What I'm not here for is like physical suffering, disease, and like sickness. Like I have spent way too much time like in hospitals witnessing loved ones like just sick and fucking suffering through a quality of life that can barely be called a life that I really do not want that for my life experience. I want radiant health and I want to die in my sleep. And so to make that true, there's just like a need to pay attention to things that I would rather just like brush under the rug. And the truth is like, I'm a very healthy 38 year old person as the cardiac specialist today told me with a quizzical look on his face, like, why are you here? But also I was like, I have, I have, genetically high blood pressure and high cholesterol and I'm not sure what to do about it and he literally said to me well if you had other health issues like if you had diabetes if you were older if you were overweight if you were a smoker then like yeah we would maybe be concerned about these things but these things alone are not anything that actually should be concerned about at this time so please go leave now and I was like, okay, Dr. Casada, thank you. I take my $85. So I don't know. That's that's what I'm doing. I'm just like trying to show up for myself in spite of the fact that all I really want to do is just like spend a week and a half in bed, which would really be so nice. But I can't. So I'm here fighting for my life so that when it's all said and done, I can look back on it and go... I showed up. I showed up. (laughs) Yes, you did show up. So, I mean, honestly, like this is the spiritual warriorship time. Like I'm not to like toot my own horn too much, but like, am I feeling great in my life right now? Fuck no. But like, have I been dealt just like an onslaught of shittiness and still managed to like put my tinted moisturizer on in the morning and go out into the world with kindness in my heart? And the answer is yes. And that is only because of all of the work I have done in my life to create a spiritual foundation that's there for me when I struggle to be there for myself. So I guess going back to your question in regards to do I love myself more than I am judgmental of myself? The answer is yes. Yay. Yes, I do. But I am really judgmental of other people. (laughs) And that is something on which I could continue to do some good 
honest work. Well, as long as you keep directing that at other people besides me, then work away. Oh, you get judged. Oh, I know I do. I just do it in the quiet toot of my heart. Nope. Your face judges me all the time. Well, listen, my (laughs) face has a mind of its own. And my advice to everyone out there is I just, I just probably wouldn't get into a relationship with an Aries rising because that face gives it all away. It really does. That face will hurt your feelings. (laughs) I don't even know what it's doing. When the mouth is telling you they love you. Oh, well, you know, look, the face does what the face does. Maybe I should get Botox. Do you think if I got a bunch of Botox, it would help our relationship? Because then you wouldn't, you wouldn't see my reactions. I think it would help you look more like Nicole Kidman, but I don't know if it would help our relationship. Would looking more like Nicole Kidman help our relationship? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'm like very anti-Botox for myself. I, I have friends that do it. And honestly, sometimes they look really gorgeous when they get it. So I'm not I'm not anti-injectables in general. I'm just like, I know for myself personally that if I were to start down that slippery slope, it would just be untenable. Like I know myself well enough to know where the danger zones are and that feels like a danger zone. So oh, I just yeah. stay well enough away. Your face would look like a balloon. Oh, a gorgeous, shiny. Just stunning. Australian balloon. <laughs> yeah, you're you're doing just fine. Nicole Kidman has an Oscar, right? Oh, yeah, I believe. Does she, she have several? two, maybe? I, I was going to say for the hours. I was going to say an Australian balloon with Academy Awards, but I wasn't sure if that was true. Right? Maybe she only has one, actually, just for the hours. Well, one's enough. Yeah. Nobody needs more Oscars than that. Well, tell it to Kate Blanchett because she keeps going for him. I have nothing to say to Kate Blanchett. <laughs> All right. Except, like, thank you. I know Tar was great. Thank you for the work. Um, all right. Well, there you have it. That's who we are and where we're at. And hopefully, uh, where we're at is reflective of where you are. And I actually really like that you, um, used the words spiritual warriorship. Hey, because I actually do think that that is an echo for where everyone is right now, particularly with this like nodal, space we're in mm. like the aries libra north node i feel especially as we're moving into eclipse season girl hold on to your hats yeah unless you don't like that hat <laughs> but yeah i was thinking about that we had the uh first meetup of our wheel of the year crew yes last week it was fucking great shout outs to everybody in the wheel of the year yeah thank you all for joining us yeah it was all fun really amazing yeah cannot wait for next month and if you didn't sign up don't beat yourself up about it love yourself more than you judge yourself because we'll be opening (laughs) it up again yeah uh before the end of the year yeah yeah but it was really great and you know, we talked a lot about the astrology of the rest of this year and in thinking like about it some more like, like, yeah, the whole concept of like us all like having to stand in our like spiritual warrior space right now as we move through our just regular lives, I think is so valuable and necessary and to really like look at yourself as a warrior for not only just like the whole concept of spirit, but for your own spirit. 
you know, for your own like soul. And what are my soul's needs right now? Because an Aries North node energy is very much about like pushing us much more toward like harnessing the needs of our soul and the push that our soul is trying to manifest in some way for us in this lifetime and to not be afraid of that. I feel like we should maybe just... uh, I was going to say, I think we're like neck deep already in this episode's Cosmic Update. So, any anyway. So, spiritual worship. Spiritual worship. Yeah, I just think this whole like eclipse season that will I guess really like enter its like first doorway of potency with this Libra new moon that we'll have on October 14th yes a solar eclipse for the gods yeah so when we hit that we really are like in this like major doorway space of I think that Aries North Node, which is pushing us again, you know, the North Node is all about like what we need to be moving toward, what our soul wants us to be growing toward in this lifetime. And Aries is all like hardcore, heavy, like manifest it into the world now. I want it now. I am. I am here. Energy. So it feels like this eclipse season is very much about like get out of my way it's got to get done and what is in the way is you (laughs) needs to go it's you honey no no blame shaming here you know it's we all came in with lessons to learn right and we either want to like allegedly (laughs) allegedly And if that allegedly is the case, then we all need to do our best to like move toward tackling the lessons, right? Like it feels like that's what should be happening. Yeah. I mean, I sometimes like struggle with the word lesson a little bit. I think some people really respond to that word. Um, But for me, I think more in terms of like, where does my soul want to grow? What does my soul want to accomplish? Where does my soul want to grow? Is that a song or did you just produce it? Well, it's Where Does My Heart Beat Now by oh. Celine Dion that I changed the lyrics. Yeah. Oh. I, I reproduced it. You reproduced honestly. it. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. It needed work. So listen, if you can sit and get quiet and your soul can communicate to you, even just like the beginning of an answer to that. Like what lessons to use angels word am I, am I here to learn or what do I want to accomplish in this lifetime or experience even, and then have the courage to organize your life around that. It's not just like a weekend workshop. It's not just like a trip to burning man to like experience it for like two weeks. It's like what your life is built around. That's the sort of 
I think spiritual warriorship that we're talking about right now with this North node in Aries. And it's not Mm going to be easy. Other people are going to be a problem because the South node is in Libra. So other people are going to be saying like, but you're so good at this, or I'm so accustomed to you being that. And you're going to have to go like, I'm so sorry, but that's not what I'm organizing my life around anymore. Right. Yeah. And then it's up to you to like, organize your life around what is of necessity right yeah now. and then just like keep fighting for it and you yeah. gotta like fight for it every day and maybe it's a scheduling issue maybe it's a clarity issue maybe it's a courage issue yeah maybe it's a combination of all of those no totally like but I, but i was just gonna say like you don't have to figure it out right now like eclipse season's gonna show you right and if you're paying attention by the time we get to that new moon in Scorpio at the end of eclipse season, you will probably have enough information to embark on that full scale transformation. Yeah. And hopefully you are paying attention, you know, because I think we can register the subtleties of what needs to shift uh, and make those shifts before we then get like the tsunami what tsunami? The tsunami of change that we have no choice but to respond to because it's overwhelming us in some way. Something happens in your life that is like, you know, a slap to the face as opposed to a whisper in the ear. Oh, yeah. But don't you think eclipse season in general is just a lot of cosmic slaps to the face, no matter how much you've been listening along the way? Yeah, but I do think you can minimize it so that your response to it becomes easier and more manageable. But of course, there's always going to be like curveballs. And I mean, eclipse season is just like a bit of a like, it's like when you're in a dark room and like somebody like, uses a a flash to take a picture and you don't expect it and you're suddenly like blinded by it you know like it's that kind of like jarring energy i mean that's a great that's a great analogy and i really took the ride because i was in that dark room and i thought we were like in a like halloween horror house and i was like <laughs> oh no like somebody's gonna like jump out and shake me but instead they just took my picture yeah which is so which was so nice of them right but what you didn't realize is that your hair is a mess and you got something hanging out of your nose. No, but you know what? And it's already gone on their stories. At least I got to see myself clearly. <laughs> and that's what Eclipse True Season that. will do. It's going to show you yourself clearly. Right. And I hope to goddess, your hair is not a mess. Or at Me the very too. least, you ain't got any boogies hanging out of your nose. <laughs> the best we can hope for. That is the best we can hope for. So, yeah. October is just like a big shift time. Really the first two weeks, I think like, because we have like multiple planetary changes Mm -hmm. in the first two weeks. I mean, we have Mercury shifting into Libra on the 4th. Then we have Venus shifting into Virgo on the 8th. Not a fan favorite. No offense. No. And then we have Mars shifting into Scorpio on the 11th. Which is actually useful. Yeah. 
And I will say, even though I don't love Venus and Virgo because she... Because she's just not happy there. She's just, she's cranky. She's like got a lot to do. And she's, she's kind of begrudgingly doing it all. Yeah. If you natally have Venus and Virgo, you might find relating to people challenging. But with the Venus and Virgo and Mercury in Libra, they're in mutual reception with each other. So they can kind of swap places. Right. Which means that like Venus can call Mercury and she can kind of like get a taste of what she's missing, you know, because he's in her home sign and he can get her on the phone and he like gets the organizational clarity that he needs because she's in his home sign. So that is useful. Um, That's like planets in power simultaneously Mars moving into Scorpio where he's so well resourced to like actually go the distance. I mean, stamina is something that Mars in Scorpio can give us. Yeah. And he's major transformation energy, which coupled with Pluto stationing direct on October 10th. So all in that same corridor, who's obviously too, just like, major god of transformation from like the depths of our soul takes us back to what we were talking about with the nodes and i mean he's a little pluto's a little bit further past the nodes at this point he's at 27 and i think the nodes are like further down already they're like around 24 i think yeah they're on my nodes having my nodal opposition opposition right now girl you sure are i really am yeah like what's the metaphor for that i think it's uh crying in the shower (laughs) no no that's what i did this morning oh what's the metaphor like for being in your nodal opposition it's when where you want to go is getting sucked into where you've been Mm, that's interesting or where you've been is disguising itself as where you want to go. So it's like looking at yourself in the mirror and seeing a version of you in an outfit you desperately want, but realizing you're not actually wearing it. Yeah, or comparing yourself to who you used to be. Oh. Yeah, that's been going on. Welcome to your nodal opposition. Holy hell. Well, I guess I should try to see when the last time I had like a nodal return is. Well, it was probably, it's every 18 and a half years. So subtract nine and a quarter year. So that was. Oh, we've been dating for like. 2014. Yeah, I've been dating for a couple of years. Dude, 2014, I was killing it. Were you? Yeah. What were you doing? That was the year that Dear White People, the movie, came out. Oh, yeah. And I was like a producer in Hollywood. Yeah, you were like a badass boss bitch. I was. All right, well, now, now you're- in a hologram. <laughs> well, well, hold on. I mean, this is maybe useful. Maybe it's TMI, but- Oh, if that was your if that was your nodal return, yeah, that was you saying like, okay, like I want to commit to eighteen and a half years of like being a film producer and like having a public life in like creating film and television and like committing to that, right? And now you are halfway through, 
and you are having to like reconfigure yourself to go the distance and you're realizing like what you still want and what you don't still want but it's not a moment to like give up on the dream it's not a time to like flush it down the toilet because even if you tried you'd still be like circling the drain for another nine and a quarter year it's the time to reconfigure or to use the word that you so beautifully gave us for Libra season, it's time for serious adjustment. Yeah. That's really what it is because it's a balancing out. Like when the South node comes to the North node and the North node comes to the South node, what they're actually trying to do is to create a new sort of balance for you to be able to move where you want to go. Yeah. Because the North node is like a very grippy, pushy, almost haughty energy and the south node is a very like slippery loosey-goosey non-committal seductive sort of energy and you need both of them in order to get where you're going so the nodal opposition is actually time to combine recipes right no i think that's really interesting and i I like i like looking at it from that perspective so anyone who has like a north node in libra that was specifically for you But I also just think on some level what you were saying about like adjustment and rebalancing is just the general themes of a Aries Libra nodal opposition in general for all of us. I feel like we're all going through some sort of rebalancing in our lives. Girl, it sucks. I do not like these nodes. Let me tell you, they are rough (laughs) nodes. I mean, I like... Like big Brandon really appreciates them, but little Brandon is so grouchy about the the curriculum. Mm-mm. No me gusta. All right. Well, hopefully it'll get better when we enter Scorpio season in three weeks. Here's hoping. I mean, at the very least, we'll be in Mexico. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Who can say? <laughs> we didn't like... We didn't plan to plan a trip during eclipse season. It's like not really our go-to as the world's like worst practicing astrologers who like know better and never do. Although, you know. So true. It always works out. But we have friends getting married on that eclipse, that full moon eclipse in Taurus Scorpio in Mexico. And so what do you do? How do you say no to people you love when they're getting married in a cenote? I'm just a girl who can't say no. Are you trying to think of what musical that's from? No, I was just thinking that that's like so South Node in Libra. What? I'm just a girl who can't say no? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Anyway, are there any other, is there any other cosmic tomfoolery to cover or should we move into this episode's deep dive? Yeah, let's just dive a little bit. Okay, here we go, everybody. This episode's deep, deep dive. So about three and a half years ago, we did an episode called Readings, Retrogrades, and Reversals, or something like that. Are you sure about that? It was one of, it was the three, it was some combo of those three R's that we did. But it was funny because it was literally on March, it came out on March 18th, 2020. So it was the episode that was out in the midst of pandemia as we were shifting into pandemia 
So some of you might have missed it. Um, but <laughs> but um, sounds like we missed it. We can't even remember what the title of it is. Yeah, I don't remember the title. What well, was like three R's? Readings, returns, and retrogrades. No, readings, retrogrades, and reversals. Reversals, risings. Yes. And Rilo Kylie. And rendezvous. Um, Rita Ora and <laughs> who said that? <laughs> so you know Rita Ora makes sheets. She does. Yeah. Apparently, both Rita Ora and Kylie Minogue have sheets. They make sheets. Yeah, because when we were in Vegas and we saw the for the first time saw like the advertisement for Kylie's show there. Uh huh. Um, Gina was our my friend Gina who was there was like, oh Kylie Minogue, and I was like, yeah, I'm coming. I have I have tickets, and she was like, oh, I have her betting, and I was like, what? <laughs> she said, yeah, it's great. She's like, but you know who has the best betting? Rita Ora. And I had no idea. I know. And then, and then Lisa, my sister, like overheard and was like, what'd you say about Rita Ora? Was it her sheets? And Gina's like, yeah. She was like, oh, right. We bought them together. And she's like, oh, they're the best. Wow. I know. That's weird. That's like almost as weird as like Cher having a gelato line. (laughs) Like these are just things that like you don't really associate with celebrities. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know the best though was like, I think it was the Kylie ones though, where she was like, yeah, I loved them. But then I got really stressed out about washing them because how does one wash a sequin? Do you put a sequin in a washing machine? And I was like, there are sequins on them. (laughs) She was like, oh yeah. (laughs) That's insane. And also you better be washing those sheets. Well, of course. But also how do you sleep with sequins? I feel like that would be kind of like, maybe it's the comforter. Maybe it's like the... All, I I am shocked that I haven't gone online to look yet. I'll be doing that the second we are done. That's wild. This episode sponsored by Rita Ora bed sheets, bedding, and home goods. The sphere, <laughs> and the sphere. Um. So, in talking about that, or why? So, in bringing up that old episode, uh. One of those that I always wanted to dive more deeply into was readings. And in the past couple months, I've actually gotten two very good, but very different readings from readers. But I've also given a bunch of readings. Thousands? No, I just, I've been in the last couple months. Oh, I just mean in general. Do you think you've given over a thousand readings in your life? You know, I was like thinking about that actually. I'm always trying to like figure that out. Like a thousand feels like a ridiculous amount. I don't think so. I think you've definitely given over. I feel like you've given over a thousand since we've just been together. You think so? I do. So yeah, I guess I've given thousands of readings, which just sounds crazy though. Oh yeah, but I definitely think you have. Well, I wanted to just really draw us out in like a conversation about readings, not just like giving readings but also receiving readings and just like the whole general um i don't know just like what it is to like be a reader and how that plays out um in that initial episode we because we had multiple topics we were talking about we didn't cover too much we really just covered like how we both approach a reading mm-hmm. like our process of like calling in the spirits and things of that nature 
Um, and I do believe in our like second episode from 10,000 years ago, we talked a little bit about like our spiritual beginnings and how they both were kind of like, they both involved kind of getting readings. I know you got readings when you were very young. I did. But I guess I'm actually like just curious to ask you, what does it feel like to be a reader and how do you feel when you're actually like giving a reading to somebody? Hmm, those are really good questions. Okay, well, the first thing I want to say is that some of the best readings I've ever gotten were from readers who are completely hot messes. And I think one of the things I had to give myself permission to be when I started doing this professionally was just a real person. I think sometimes there's like this onus we put on ourselves like, well, if I'm going to give other people advice, then like I better be a fucking bodhisattva. And goddess knows she, and I'm pointing at myself here, is not a bodhisattva. But I do think that when you step into being a reader, because I'm not a reader all the time, you know, like I'm only a reader when I'm giving readings. That's my boundary. Honey, you are reading. Well, you know what I'm saying. But when I'm giving a spiritual reading, I almost like click into a hologram of myself. Mm -hmm. And what it feels like is being deeply of service. And even though it is me, it almost feels like I actually like step out of myself to some extent um, because I really respect anybody that's coming for guidance, whether it's astrology or tarot or spiritual healing. And I am really humbled by every person that shows up asking for my help. And I know that me as a person, (laughs) especially right now, is a fucking hot mess. So if I am trying to do the reading, it doesn't go very well. So I really do like allow the spirits with whom I trust or the chart or the cards to do the work. And then all I am responsible for, and it's something I happen to be very good at doing, is communicate what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing. And because I am, you know, a sun conjunct Mercury in Aquarius, I'm really good with articulating. And that's what my job really is as a reader, is to very clearly articulate what it is that I'm seeing in response to either somebody's questions or sometimes it has nothing to do with their questions. It's just about what is kind of like lighting up at the moment of our being present for that encounter. So, okay, going back to what your question was, what does it feel like to be a reader, it feels humbling. It feels super humbling because I'm always nervous that it's not going to work and I'm always nervous that somebody's going to want their money back and it's never happened, but you <laughs> never know. Yeah. Um, and it's also, it also feels incredibly connective. Like giving a reading, being of service connects me not just to the person, but it's so funny because, and I know you're the same way, I don't remember my readings. So people are always like referring back to them and I'm like, oh, I said that? Oh, that came through? Like I really just, I don't retain any of it. Yeah. And I actually do that for 
their benefit so that like you can trust that I like ain't talking about your reading at dinner that night, you know, like it's, it's slipped through my fingers. Um, but it, it connects me to like the invisible web where all things are connected. And that's a really nice thing to feel connected to. And what it feels like to give a reading is basically to like buckle in and take the ride Mm -hmm. and be willing to exchange with people, but also sometimes like lovingly direct people's attention to a place they didn't initially inquire about. Mm Mm-hmm. I really think that with the exception of very, very specific timing techniques or people in the midst of a crisis who are asking about that particular crisis, when people are getting general readings and they're coming with questions, those questions are really just a jumping off point. And I always ask those questions to the cards or to the spirits or I'll look in the chart for where those questions might be indicating an answer but I never feel like that's the place I'm supposed to stay I always go on from there and as a person who gets readings from time to time I have questions too but I'm also mostly just interested in what somebody who is connected to spirit has to say about my chart or about my cards to give me some guidance that I wouldn't be able to give myself because the truth is Good questions are so much more important than good answers. And I don't always necessarily feel like I have good questions to ask about my life. And I don't always feel like people coming in to get a reading have good questions to ask. Mm, Right. Yeah. And so sometimes one of the outcomes of a good reading is just that you have a really good question that you get to live for a little bit. Mm, mm -hmm. And that was a really good question you asked me. Oh. Why, thank you. So I would turn it on you. What, it was a two-parter. What does it feel like to be a reader and what does it feel like to give a reading? Mm-hmm. That's what it was? Yeah, something like that. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, I love what you said about that it feels humbling because I think that is a big part of it. Whenever I am done with a reading... I always feel this sense of like, oh, you know, like, wow, what an amazing opportunity to get to like be in a vulnerable space with this person, whoever it is. Yeah. To like get to witness other people's vulnerability. Yeah. And like real truth and honesty about their lives, you know, like it's such a vulnerable Base that we get to open up and for the most part really get to learn the depths of a person in a very short amount of time and I will say too it's been like interesting because I always well I started out giving you know 20 years ago when I worked at the Psychic Guy Bookshop in San Francisco I was giving readings in person, but I was also doing them on the phone and I hated doing readings on the phone. I felt like it was like not a real thing because I was just like, I don't know who this person is. And I just felt like 
I was working for like the Psychic Friends Network and like talking to like Barbara and Georgia and like she was like, is my husband cheating on me? You know, like it was like literally just like those things and you'd like pull a card and be like, Barbara, yes. <laughs> Barbara, yes, he is, honey. And you know it's true. But you know, like you would pull these cards and you'd be like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. But it was like weird. Like I preferred the like in-person connection. And that was like a thing that I actually like was really like vocal about for myself of like, I have to read a person in person, like, you know, as my practice grew more and more, especially over the last like one, like the 2010s, I guess. But then of course the pandemic and everything went online and I was able to realize like, oh, okay, like I can do this. And of course we were like, doing it on like zooms or skype so you still could kind of see the person and that was helpful but um but now even i've done readings also without uh seeing them and i've heard i've gotten readings as well just like on the phone and or without the in-person thing and i can like i now i think have a better like understanding of the space i don't think i like had a very strong uh just practice yet for myself um yeah no i mean i totally get it to where i am have now i mean as a reader i used to feel like i needed the person there yeah but i actually think i do a better job when the person isn't there because there's less i have to think about and I can just do the job at hand. Yeah. But as somebody who gets a reading, I definitely like, you know, I think as a reader, like I do a pretty good job. Like when I show up like on Zoom, because like you get to see me like there, like there's my yeah. face. Like I come camera ready and we get to have an encounter. When I get a reading, that's not always the case. And sometimes I feel a little cheated because I'm like, oh, I don't get to like see your face. Like I don't get to have the full exchange. But the right. truth is, is like, I'm not really paying for the person. I'm paying for the information that comes through the person. Yeah. So whether it's on the phone or via Zoom or in a dream, if the information is good, it was worth it. Totally. So yeah. So to answer that first question, I guess I would say like, it just feels like presence mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, it is. It is very present. I'm able to like plug into presence in a way that I am not able to. Certainly not right now. Yeah, but just in most of my life, I feel no, like I'm, I'm kidding. You're very present right now. Oh, thank you. But yeah, I just feel like I'm like, like much more scattered in like the rest of my life. But like, yeah, when I like am in a reading and I like, you know, hit that button, the zoom button to like let them into the room and they're there. I'm like, hi, we're here. We're connected. And obviously I've done like my practice before then with the spirits and everything that helps me feel connected, you know, putting a crystal on my head, etc. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's just like this depth of presence that I, uh, I'm just able to feel that's lovely. Um, so I have like a lot of, I guess, gratitude then too for that. But yeah, and then I think just in like connecting with others and like giving a reading, 
yeah, I guess I just go back to the whole humbling thing for you. I, I can recognize for myself when I first started, I mean, I was in my early 20s, so there was some ego there. Like when I would leave a reading and get like a good review from the person right there, I was like, yeah, I'm good at this. I know, which is so funny because honestly, sometimes it's the people that give you a bad review where you did the best work. Oh, totally. I had a reading recently and this person was fighting me the whole time. And it was exhausting, honestly, because I wasn't giving this person information that they wanted. And then they reached out to me later that week and they were like, thank you. I just like, I was fighting you. It was, you know, and I was like, okay, like I, I appreciate hearing that Yeah. because as a reader, my job is not to be your best friend. Oh, no, no, no. Now, we might get along like a house on fire, and that's great. But again, like, I don't I don't go in with uh, objective. Right. Like, I, I, I really don't have a, a say. Yeah. I'm not giving you, like, my advice on how I think your life should go. Like, what I'm doing is saying, like, this is what the cards say. Yeah. This is what the stars say. Yeah. And I think, like... I'm at a place now where it's not like the ego is removed. It's now more just like a confidence, you know, like I can go in with a really like a, a confidence. I don't even think about, you know, like I don't have to, I don't have to go into a reading and be like, I hope this works. Like, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to like, I don't even think about it because it's just the work I do and I know how to do it. And yeah, on the occasion where, someone's like oh this isn't connecting for me or yeah I don't know about that like I don't find myself going to a place where I'm like oh no I suck I suck yeah it's because it's, it's not about me yeah um and that's really a great thing too is being able to remove myself from it and just being like the vessel who's there and it's like, Oh, that's not working for you. Okay. Got it. Well, you know, another interpretation of that would be blah, blah, blah. And then having them be like, Oh fuck, that's the one. And I'm like, okay, cool. So let's go that way. Yeah. You know, you're like, that's why there's a multiple significations. Right. <laughs> yeah. I find for me, the times I forget to ask permission Mm -hmm. when I'm like five or 10 minutes into reading, I'm like, why does this feel like we are moving through sludge? And then I go like, Oh, we haven't exchanged permissions yet. And then, and then it like makes such a difference. Oh, wow. Cause I also find that like, so I have a whole thing where, you know, I ask people for permission to read their chart or their cards, uh, to receive any other messages that want to come through for them while we're together. And then to also merge with the divination spirit and I ask that, A, because I need I need that permission or else I'm doing some sorcery and I don't like to be doing sorcery. But it's also because sometimes people, even if they book a reading, even if they want it, they come in with a lot of resistance. And when somebody gives you permission energetically, it takes that resistance down. And so things just tend to go a lot smoother from that jump. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, I... I forget to do it. I get caught up in some sort of way. Usually it's in like shorter readings because I'm like, okay, we've got 15 minutes. Like, let's get to it, you know? And then I'm like, right. oh, shit. I, we got to, we still got to dot our I's and cross our T's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a protocol for a reason. I have like a very specific like reading protocol 
like there's an invocation, there's like a whole thing. And I find that like, even if I don't want to do all of that, everything just goes so much more smoothly when all of those things are accomplished. Yeah. I feel the same way now. Like now that I have like a real, like strong sort of entrance into my readings and it's really for me. Um, I mean, I think back to when I, I mean, even when I did readings in person with people at our old place, I would pretty much do all that work before they got there. Um, but I do remember when I first started at the psychic eye, like I would do it when they got in the room because that's how all the readers there did it. You know, it was like there was a show and like the people there were like, like my fellow readers were like giving it, you know, like there was one guy who wore like a long flowy cape every, you know, and like, oh yeah. Yeah, like the one who was like in fully like just they dressed. were serving a San Francisco healer, honey. Oh yeah, but very different different variations of it. You know, there was like the the long white flowy dress lady, and then there was kind of like the sort of like very gothy Wiccan lady. You know, but everyone kind of had a thing, and I was literally like the gay, the gay twenty, what two year old in like baggy jeans and a hoodie you were the tyler henry of your day (laughs) so it was like i remember at that time being like having had a bunch of readings with everyone there and seeing how they would be like okay i have to call in my spirits now like please close your eyes with me or like you can just sit there you know they all had like a different thing and like walking around with the sage or you know doing their invocation and so i remember like when i started reading there i was like oh shoot like what am I going to do when people get in the room? You know, like, like coming up with like my thing. And I had a very like minimal, they're like involved with like lighting a candle and like, you know, like saging the cards and like, let's take a deep breath. Okay. So let's start, you know, like I just yeah. didn't have well like a I, thing. It comes down to like, what is the objective? Like there are certain things I have to do for me to get into the space I do those generally before I'm with the client. But then there's other things I have to do for either the client or for both of us. Right. You know, like I can't open up a sacred space without that person present when it's a sacred space for that person. Oh, well, yeah. You know? For a different type of... But yeah, yeah. I, the the spirits generally I call in ahead of time. Right. What do you think like are some good pieces of advice for people like when they're going to receive a reading, like what's a good way to prepare for a reading, have your expectations in the right place. I do think taking some time to kind of clear yourself is very important. I find that like I can give a reading to someone who's like in their car because they have no other place to be. But I can't give a reading to someone who's in their car and like still driving (laughs) when the reading starts, you know, like it's like I need you to be grounded and centered and like in a place where your energy can like be just as present for the reading as mine is. Like, I think that's really important. But I also. Yeah, that's really good advice, honestly. 
Yeah. You have to be in a place to receive your reading. Right. Exactly. Make sure, make sure that you do what you have to do so that you can receive it. Perfect. Yeah. Because just because you paid for it and you're showing up doesn't necessarily mean that you are actually in a place to receive whatever's coming at you. Yeah. And then it comes to you and then you're like, oh, okay, I guess that happened, you know, and like maybe you don't fully receive the messaging of it. Yeah, totally. I have another R though. That's good advice. Receive it. Record it. Record it. Figure out a way to have a recording of it. I just received a reading a couple weeks ago. I know. And there was no recording of it. And there's no recording of it. And I, because I just like... It was over the phone. I wasn't quite sure how to record it on my phone. And I just kind of wanted to get into the reading because I was very excited for it. Um, And it ended up being a phenomenal reading. But I have no recording of it. And I just like took a lot of notes. Which is good. It is good. But even in like reading back through the notes, I'm kind of like, oh, right. Or I'm just like, oh, yeah. No. And then he also said something about this and i'm like fuck what was it and i just like wish i could like just go back and listen and be in the flow of it because it was so much great information so i think that's really really good advice well because if you don't record it you can't do the third r which is return to it oh i feel like if i feel like a really good reading hits on multiple levels it's good for that moment but it's also something to return to because it has many layers. And also sometimes if it's a reading that's talking about time, you're really only able to process like the first step, but maybe the reader's giving you the second step and the third step, or the things they've said hit in a different way after you've experienced something like three years or three months down the road. Right. Like when I give my year ahead spreads, I'm like, oh, you know, depending on what the spread is, I'm like, I don't know exactly what is going to be happening nine months from now, but here are some like key words that are going to become more clear. And you should probably listen to this again in like seven months time because you'll have a better understanding of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Does it still blow you away when you are giving a reading or have given a reading And either in the moment kind of get like crazy confirmation of something or after the fact, like someone comes back to you and it's like that thing you said was so powerful or it transpired or any of that stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. It's magic. It makes no sense. (laughs) I mean, it's those moments that like keep me coming back for more. Right. But I also think that learning how to trust ourselves i mean it's such a weird thing because like so much of what we're saying is like it's not about us and like getting out of the way but it's also about like trusting a deeper part of ourself and like tapping in more deeply and i find that in some ways even though i can be a hot mess and my life can be a fucking mess uh the quality of a reading that i give is really dependent on how gracefully i can tap into my larger self Mm -hmm. and my larger self has no ego yeah because my larger self is a spirit self that's connected to all beings and understands that we're all essentially equal or at least made up of the same stuff you know that's where sometimes it takes me five minutes to prepare for a reading and sometimes it takes me 50 minutes or sometimes longer sometimes i like have to go for a hike if i know i have a a day of readings ahead of me because I'm like, oh, you are not like you are not in a graceful transition mode right now. Like right. you got to do the things 
that make it so that you can click in. I know it's interesting when I'm like in a space where I'm like, fuck, I have a reading today. I'm so not in it or I'm not feeling like entirely well in some way. And all I really want to do is reschedule it. Um, but at the end of the day, I tend to like get myself into this place of like, no, this is like divinely timed and the person, this is not about you. This is about the person. And like, you know, unless I'm like really sick and like feel like, oh, I'm not going to actually be able to like talk, you know, <laughs> like I've given readings where I'm like going hoarse and like downing water. I think I even like gave a reading when I had COVID. Like I was like just giving readings when, cause I feel like always like, oh, it's necessary to do it. But I do find for myself that like once I do resource myself and like drop into the space, like I always leave it. It's like going to the gym, right? I always like walk out like feeling like 10 times better. Totally. Cause it's like you kind of eliminated some of the unnecessary mental shit of your own life. You know, and then I can kind of come back to my life a little more like calm as well, which is just like a nice little additive from it. How often should people be getting readings? I feel like that's a good thing to talk about as we wind down this deep dive. I mean, I think it depends. Not too much. That's my <laughs> advice. <Even laughs> yeah, though I this is like literally my livelihood, but I'm like, yeah, no, no. Don't be going all the time, babies. No. I had to break up with a client once and that was like the hardest thing because they were just like come, trying to come way too often. And I was like, you need to live. Or also figure out like what are you getting in this exchange that you're unable to like give yourself because right. there's more than enough information, you know. But sometimes people don't feel like they have the confidence or the spiritual connection that transpires in the encounter between a reader and the querent, you know. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. then you, and then it's like, okay, well, can I teach you how to do that for yourself yeah but i think like you know it's healthy to do like once a year um i think maybe every six months if you're like are in the thick of stuff yeah and then of course sometimes you just like have a moment and you're like fuck i need some guidance right now yeah totally and i think that that's like a valid moment too to get it done. yeah i would say like if it's a general reading once a year yeah but if you have something specific that needs to be addressed, then I don't necessarily think there's a limit per se. Like you might have a year where you're like, oh, I need like an astrology reading to figure out when to launch my business. And I'm also like having a crisis with this family member and I need some guidance there. Like I think if you have specific intentions and things you want to get out, it could be more than that. But yeah, for me personally, I think like a general reading, you know, maybe like one astrology reading, one tarot reading one mediumship reading but like you really shouldn't need more than that because if it's a really good reader they've probably given you a lot to to digest and you want to sift through it all and yeah meditate on it and marinate in it totally and i know we want to wrap up but i also just want to add a fourth r oh I think it's very important okay wait what are the r so far what are the r so far okay just add the fourth r and then we'll review <laughs> it's okay what's the fourth r i don't want you to lose it what's the fourth r Referral. Referral. Oh. I think it's really valuable to get readings from people who other people you trust 
have gotten readings from and had good experience. I think that's actually very true. I think, sure, occasionally we're on vacation or we're somewhere and like a moment strikes and something's presented and you're like, all right, I just have to do it. And like, I'm not going to say that's a bad thing um, to do, but um, there are a lot of like shady readers out there and there are a lot of manipulative people out there working under the guise of being readers. Totes. And I, you know, have always referred to myself as like a very skeptical reader a lot. I don't find myself to be skeptical about it anymore. Um, because I just have had way too many experiences with it that honor it and make me realize that like, oh, like spirit readings are very valid. Yeah, but that doesn't the mean right there source. aren't people looking to take advantage of you. So you got to you got to trust your gut. And it's nice to be able to have at least one person who can who can vouch. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend a referral for your reading. OK, so the four R's of readings are referral hmm record it record it return to it return to it after the recording what was the first one that was you <laughs> receive it receive it bitch if you don't receive it you can't do any of the others yeah just like imagine it's a fedex package that you have to sign for and so like you can't just give them your address you have to be there when it arrives if you yes. want to receive it. Love that. That's what a real reading is. There you have it. All right, and now it's time for your reading. Are you ready to receive it? Stop. Record it. Well, it's being recorded for yeah, you. Yeah, it's being recorded. Will you return to it? Maybe you don't have to because you know this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. Yeah. And let me be your referral to Brandon, who's going to do the reading. I've had readings from Brandon before, and they're pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Good. (laughs) Like a 60% success rate. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's better than, you know, 50. I'm kidding. So... Get into a place where you can receive this. Yeah, park your car, pull over to the side of the road. And connecting to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled. Just trusting, as I said before, that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. Oh, how funny. It's the card that I pulled for myself today. Oh, wow. It's the seven of cups, honey. Tell it to the children. Well, it's all about choices. It's all about the choices that we are presented with, but also the choices that we give ourselves permission to choose. So this is a cups card, which means that we are deep in the heart. And in the same way that we were talking about much, much earlier in the episode, like organizing your life around the things that your soul wants to do, there's something in the Seven of Cups that's want, that wants you to choose from that same place. And 
sevens are spiritual, but they're also imbalanced because the number seven is imbalanced. And so sometimes in the seven of cups, we are not choosing from the heart. We're choosing from the ego or we're choosing something without really knowing what it is. And there's some delusion that can show up because we think we're choosing one thing because we think it's going to get us somewhere as opposed to just choosing the thing that feels good in our heart. So this is all to say you are at a crossroads of significant possibility, meaning that it's not just two roads that diverged. There are seven and you cannot see all the way down those roads. You don't entirely know where they're going to lead, but what you do have is your intuition and your feeling about what it feels like to set one foot on each of those roads. You can imagine what it would be like to choose this or to choose that. Could be people choosing relationships, choosing creative projects. Let yourself imaginatively explore just the beginning of what it would be like to say, yes, I choose this. And if it feels good in your body, if it feels exciting, even if it feels a little nervous, that's not a bad thing. But if it feels heavy, if it feels tight, if it feels sour, if it feels dark, don't choose that. Just because you think maybe at the end of that road, there's a Birkin bag, you don't know. It could be, it could be a fake Birkin bag. And then you'll have walked that long, dark road for nothing. So we choose things not because of where we think they're going to get us. We choose things because of how it makes us feel in the moment to commit to that thing, to say, I choose you. You are the experience that I want to have right now, no matter what comes of it. And that, if you're just choosing based on that, can actually really help eliminate the illusion that can be surrounding a lot of these choices that can present themselves to us in ways where we're not exactly sure what we're being asked to choose in the first place. Preach it from the deep. Well, we thank you for choosing us. We know it's not always easy. We know we're challenging. What? <laughs> we're a goddamn delight. We know there's 500 million other podcasts to listen to. And the fact that you give us 60 to 85 minutes of your time every two weeks is very lovely. And we appreciate it. So thank you. And of course, you can always connect with us. Uh, through all the social medias on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. You can um, connect with us through our website at thespiritualgaze.com. We do offer readings um, as well as, um, well, at the moment we're only offering our wheel, but we will open up the wheel again um, in the next, like probably next month toward the end of next month, I think, right? Oh, to sign up for for the uh, next three, three for the months. second season for the yeah. dreaming season starting at the end of December. Yeah, yeah, we haven't quite figured that out, but yeah, we'll open it up before Mercury goes retrograde again. For sure. Yeah. So sometime in November, we'll open up that registration. Um, but um, yeah. Until then, this has been your transit through the, the spiritual, spiritual game. game.